Welcome to the Red Dirt Agronomy Podcast. My name is Dave Deacon, and have we got a great episode for you. We're talking about weather and water with two guests that stopped by the Oklahoma Wheat Commission and Oklahoma Wheat Growers Association booth at the KNID AgriFest just a couple of weeks ago. We start out with Wesley from the Oklahoma Mesonet and Oklahoma State University. And after the break, we're talking with Dr. Paul Weckler with the Biosystems Ag Engineering Department at Oklahoma State University about some exciting news when it comes to water in Oklahoma. By the way, you'll be able to find all of the information that we talked about in this episode and past episodes on our website, reddirtagronomy.com. As always, we start with a quick trip around the table for an introduction to the dream team of dirt and everything that grows in it. Let's start with Oklahoma State University Extension Cropping System Specialist. That's that's all that I can harvest in a year. You know, I put out maybe 16, but only two of them survived. Dr. Josh Lofton. And of course, next to him is Oklahoma State University Extension Precision Nutrient Management Specialist. It's hard to say that in one breath. I love talking to K-Staters. Like, well, you have Mesnet, but it's not the Mesnet. So, so take that, Ignacio and, and Romulo and all those. Dr. Brian Arnell. Before we get to the interviews, I need to give a quick reminder that this was recorded on January 13th, 2024, and at the time of recording, we were bracing for the sub-zero temperatures that would eventually hit a lot of the state of Oklahoma. You are listening to the Red Dirt Agronomy Podcast. Wes, have you ever listened to our podcast? I have. Oh, you have? I have. Oh, cool. Dave, you're, you're famous, so we followed you when you left us at OSU. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> must, that. You must be a toll booth operator. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> well, in, in, you know, that's in, who you're big with. So. I was going to say, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm big with them. Well, and then they eliminated all the toll booths across Oklahoma. So now so nobody knows you. Nobody knows who I am. <laughs> no, it, it, uh, that's okay, though. I've always said I'm the most forgettable person you'll ever meet. And it's held true with yep. a lot of situations, too. So That's a good thing. <laughs> but, Wes, uh, I, I guess let's do the – I'll let you do the uh, the official introduction of yourself. You, you're you with the Oklahoma Mesonet, but you're also with Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma State University Extension. i got to make sure to get all the words yeah, in there. You remember that university. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm with uh, Oklahoma Mesonet, which is a system that's jointly operated by OU and OSU together. OU uh, interested primarily in public safety. Right. OSU interested more from the agriculture standpoint. Right. I'm a longtime employee, about 35 years with OSU. Wow. I think six years now with the Oklahoma Mesonet, yeah. which is still part of the OSU Cooperative Extension Service. Right. And and as part of that, you you there, there are different focuses as part of the Oklahoma Mesonet. You kind of... Are, are, are the uh, go-to guy for the agricultural right. side of it. We have four or five different categories that we work on on the Oklahoma Mesonet. You know, a couple of the big ones would be uh, a program called OK First, which mm-hmm. is public safety. Right. OK Fire, which works with uh, fire prevention as well as prescription prescribed fire that's more on the agriculture side and then right. my section is the agriculture section i'm the well, the one and only employee that works in the agriculture section there but uh it is a major part of our mesonet program yeah. and it, just just for the folks that are are not familiar there are 120 mesonet sites across the country across the country across the state um and and the oklahoma mesonet celebrating their 30th uh, year right. operation yeah we officially started january 1 of 1994 mm-hmm. this january would be our 30th uh 30 year anniversary yeah uh there uh that most of the towers were installed sometime from the late 80s yeah. uh, through that 94 took a okay. couple of years to get them all in but officially when we flipped the switch started giving data out to the public was january 1 of 1994 Okay, so I didn't realize there was a, a that much prep time. There was. That they actually got the installation. Instead of putting one up and releasing it, they actually prepped. So how many towers or how many stations do you know before they went live? Uh, when we originally went live, it was somewhere around 110. Oh, wow. So I they believe. really had it, this system yeah, together fully. It, okay. it wasn't the full 120 yeah. we have today because a few of those have been added over mm-hmm. the years. You know, we got the money up front uh, to put the system in. It was something called oil overcharge. Uh, funds that the the governor at the time give us for that as well as money that both universities put in for the initial startup that allowed us to to get all of that infrastructure in initially and then the hard part of keeping those running for 30 years and the money to operate that uh, quite expensive to take care of 120 towers 
yeah. uh, with the number of sensors and stuff. How's that budgeting work as far as maintenance and upkeep? Is that coming from the state, fed, the university? Yep. A combination of all. A combination of all. We get um, our our. And the tip jar. jar. Our primary source of funding is through higher ed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before OSU and OSU get their money, we get a a piece of that. Uh, We also generate about half of our funds with with special projects, being grants, a sale of data fees. You know, we're people in Oklahoma. We're totally free to anybody here in in Oklahoma, college students, uh, citizens. But you go outside of Oklahoma, want to access our data Say, I, I want to see that 30-year data set on, on temperature change right. at a location. We actually charge a fee for really? that. Okay. So we do generate about half our funds uh, for that. And then there is a federal component as well, a national mezzanine mm-hmm. program that uh, doles out money based on the number of towers and the number of products and the number of recordings you have. Since we're so large and, and have uh, all of the data that we have, we actually receive more money than any of the other states on that program. So a combination of all those funds, but I still have to go back that higher ed is probably our primary funding source. One thing people don't realize whenever you see the TV stations, they show, well, it's 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 53 degrees in, Be- in Breckenridge, yep. not today, but it, it hmm. you know, that's actually a Mesonet site right. and, and the television stations pay for that. Right. I, was, I was about yeah. to ask that. Yeah. Is there it? is a subscription fee for right. the for the television stations, uh, radio stations as well. Yeah. It's based on their viewership. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's very inexpensive versus yeah. some of the other sources of data they have to get. Uh, you know, since they pay for that data, they're allowed to do whatever they want right. to with it. So yeah. you will usually not see our Mesonet logo on the right. the na- mm-hmm. on the state news at night because mm-hmm. it's rightfully their data right. to do whatever yep. they want with. When we first started, uh, we were issuing that that information to them with the requirement that they gave uh, credit Look, to yeah. to Oklahoma Mesonet, but that's changed yep. over the years. I can't it's, tell you the exact amount of money, but it's relatively small. Right. Uh, just just. But they have to buy in. It's kind of a token amount yeah. of money they yeah. have to buy into the program. But I don't know how many times when severe weather's here, you know, and the, the forecasters are like, well, tell me what the wind speed is yeah. at the Mesonet in, in this I county. I mean, they yeah. do like acknowledge the Mesonet the often yeah. on live TV, yeah. so it, it's kind of cool on that aspect. Yeah, it, it depends on the weather uh, forecaster, which one's up there. Uh, some of the major forecasters, mm-hmm. the main ones, tend to, to like to – to act like it's their information yeah. that they've got, but but I would call them the junior forecasters, mm-hmm. who some of them have the most college uh, education in right. meteorology. They're the ones that that heavily heavily rely on that Mesonet data for their for their job. I had the opportunity to help the Mesonet a few years ago uh, produce a um, a video, kind of highlighting the twenty five year mark. Right. Yeah. And, and it, excuse me, in that process, you're getting, you're getting tore up. <laughs> <laughs> it's been five years. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's yeah. picking up speed too. Yeah. Uh, but but I had the opportunity to not only talk to folks across Oklahoma, but I had the opportunity to sit down with the the administrator of the of of NOAA. I believe mm-hmm. he was, or the head of the National Weather Service, one of the two. But I went to Washington D.C. and sat down with him and talked about. What what a system like the Oklahoma Mesonet means to them because they are using that data to help weather systems in Arkansas moving towards the the, the east. the The data that is that is gathered in Oklahoma is helping with the forecasting in other places. and And he said, I'm paraphrasing, but the Oklahoma Mesonet is the gold standard. And, and he, he would give anything to have that level of accuracy of weather measurement all across the country. And, and, and in my time, whenever I was with Oklahoma State, I had a couple of emails from folks from other states asking, well, how do I get a hold of this person at the Oklahoma Mesonet so that way we can start talking about that? Yeah, we have very strong support from the Oklahoma legislatures yes. that are in that are in uh, D.C. In fact, they're some of the strongest proponents of this national Mesonet program. Oh, wow! Mm-hmm. That uh, trying to push, trying to to allocate some funds to get Mesonet started in states that that currently do right. not have any recording yeah. in there. But uh, yeah, we we have really good uh, support from both state and our federal legislatures on that. There are about thirty-two states that have some type of Mesonet system right. out there. 
we just, as you mentioned, we are referred to a lot of times as the gold standard because we have been around for 30 years yeah. continuously collecting that weather mm-hmm. data uh, on a five-minute interval yeah. going back that far. That's a, amazing. A lot of states uh, start a program when they have a major uh, disaster like a hurricane. Right. They get some federal funding, some allocations. They'll run for two or three years, and then they lose funding and yeah. disappear yeah. till the next, next major uh, uh, storm event comes along. Nebraska being one of the first mesonet systems in the in the country, they had a, a tough time the last few years budget wise, and they are actually uh, shut down a lot of their towers last year oh, on that. But uh, we're we're uh, fairly strongly supported financially in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Our funding is very solid. Uh, we're looking to expand instead right. of reduce towers here in Oklahoma. As we look at that, you know, Kansas is trying to build up there, and I I love talking to K Staters like well. <laughs> You have Mesnet, but it's not the Mesnet. So, so take that, Ignacio and, and Romulo and all those. Yeah. Uh, but if if we look at that, is there a state that has has already gone up to what we can produce, or is there the one that's coming up that you yeah. see? Okay, this this is going to be the next. Actually, Kansas has made a lot of progress in the last yeah. few years, but the the state that has the system closest to Oklahoma would be Kentucky. Okay. Oh, wow. uh, Oklahoma, Kentucky, and then New York. I was going to say New York. Yeah, yeah. New York, uh, after Hurricane Sandy, they put a lot of money into that system, but they're one of the states that has came and went over right. the years of building up and, oh. and tearing down. Uh, we've been involved, or not me, but Mesonet personnel mm-hmm. in Oklahoma have been involved with all those other states. Yeah, We send people, they request, we send people to help start New York. Right. Uh, we help start a system in Canada. Mm-hmm. We have a team uh, in Peru right now starting wow. a, a Mesonet system oh, on, cool. on some, you know, we get yeah. financial assistance yeah. to go down and provide our expertise. Uh, they were in Europe, I know, last year doing uh, doing some startup type funds. So we've been involved with nearly every state yeah. that has came along. But if you ask for the closest one to our system, it would probably be Kentucky. Uh, Kansas has uh, has a good system. I would say they're probably in the top five of the Mesonet programs in yeah. the country. Uh, they had an issue in that they started out buying whatever tower was on yeah. sale, whatever yeah. sensor was on sale, no uh, uniformity across the state. They're going back now and trying to correct that mm-hmm. and put uh, the 10-meter tall towers like we have, the sensors across the state that are all uniform. I would say about half of their counties maybe have a tower in them today. Yeah. And if you go to their website, you'll see a lot of Oklahoma Mesonet products yeah. that <laughs> yeah. they use our models yeah. and well, things. And we're, we're proud of that. Yeah. You know, well, so. I mean, we're all extension, right? They, what does extension true. do? We steal from other extension so we don't have i mean yeah i mean why why redo something that's functional you just rework it for your region because it puts your extension is better about not reinventing the wheel than some other groups like research like to reinvent the wheel everywhere like no and there's so much stuff that that extension does that i steal from other folks man that works good let's just spin it to oklahoma and just Role. Yeah. Copying, I mean, I guess that's uh, flattery when they copy yeah. products you have. You mentioned Kansas, and if you, you know, one, one idea to tell you how successful Oklahoma has been compared to those other states, mm-hmm. go to any search engine, type in Mesonet, the top three or four hits are going to be Oklahoma Mesonet. Yeah. Yep. And you, you talked about not only expanding, but you guys updated a lot of things just yeah. recently. Your web page yes. and your interface and all that. How's all that going? Well, and, and after a, a little trial pellet period, getting people used to the new <laughs> website and change is always uh, difficult for some people. We did uh, Valentine's Day of last year, released a new website mm-hmm. that is somewhat mobile friendly. That's our goal to make yeah. everything we have uh, work on a cell phone. There, so our uh, weather section, our forecast section, and our agriculture section all were updated to where they work uh, flawlessly on a cell phone, uh, as well as they do uh, still work on a computer or tablet. Mm-hmm. Any any platform, it'll automatically adjust to the to the size of the screen you're using. We're chipping away at the rest of that website, trying to release yeah. other sections. Hopefully, mm-hmm. in the next uh, few weeks, we'll be releasing another website that'll have a couple more of our weather tabs, uh, fully mobile friendly. Well, and the Dave, I'm still stealing from you. This is why you guys don't let me talk because I, I have to steal time from you. But Wes, we just had you in our, our, you know, me and Brian have a class on campus, and and we just had you in there, and it's one of those things that uh, a lot of people go on the Mesonet, and they're like kind of almost overwhelmed with how much oh, yeah. stuff is there. But kind of what we learned from you in the classes, we don't even have an access to 
half of the the stuff that's actually there. Right. So, but yeah. you what, can subscribe to that. No, <laughs> some of it you can. Yeah. You can. Some I'm, of it you I'm can. Just what, so so explain for maybe folks that don't know what what is kind of those layers underneath that Mesonet offers to, like you said, like uh, the, the, the weather folks, the first responders, and, and some of those things that Mesonet does provide right. that the general public might not even know. Yeah. When, if you take a look at our website, there are several tabs across the top. The only one that is password protected is the OK First section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they did that. Uh, that's, a, that's a category for storm chasers, emergency management personnel, uh, anybody that's been through that training program, which starts out as an initial four-day training, so yep. it's a pretty good time commitment to get there. There's mm-hmm. roughly a thousand people in Oklahoma uh, currently trained and have access okay. to that site. But once they get into to that location, not only do they have some enhanced software like uh, uh, radar systems that that are more powerful and uh, more useful for storm chasing than the regular radar that we put on the public site. Yeah. They also have chat rooms and discussion areas so that they can pass that information back and forth between emergency management personnel. It would just wouldn't be prudent to have the general public oh, yeah. uh, gumming that up or, or interfering with yeah. the transmission of that data uh, there. Uh, we continue to try to improve. Uh, we've got a huge project going on this summer uh, on our mm-hmm. mezzanine towers, adding some new sensors. I think there are 16 different categories of sensors now. We're going to add something called volumetric water this summer to all of our towers. Okay. So it uh, is it an add or replace? It's an it's an add. We're actually okay. going to keep our soil sensors that we that, have. That's what I was actually. Yeah. Volumetric water is is more um, widely used by researchers yes. than the general yep. public. So we we have had our soil sensors okay. in for so long. Our farming community are used to our products. Yeah. We're going so, to add two, okay, not add two, not at least temporarily. I mean, thinking about the these stations have been on since the late '80s. Well, not been on; they've been installed since the late '80s, early '90s. The technology. How do you maintain consistency in technology when we're talking water sensing all the Every from top five down minutes for the past thirty? <laughs> well, years. I know, but I'm talking about but that the technology yeah, evolution yeah, yeah, within yeah. the system because. I can only imagine the towers that were put up, even in 95, that 95% of that's obsolete and no yep. longer serviceable. So how does yep. the Mesonet deal with that kind of well, tech evolution? When new technology does come along, mm-hmm. it does. It seems like we kind of lag behind this, the standard, in, yeah. the industry standard for a while. But then we uh, are able to maybe make a big leap. And okay. these volumetric water sensors may be a good example of that. You know, temporarily, or at least for the near future, we're going to leave the the soil sensors we mm-hmm. have in now that yeah. measure soil temperature yep. and soil moisture. But this is going to be in and addition to it. To. Okay. Once we become familiar with them, start developing ag products mm-hmm. that the public are used to, then we may replace yeah. or take off the others. Another example may be, I know we're doing a lot of research on sonic anemometers. Yep. You know, new technology, wow. mm-hmm. a little more newer than mm-hmm. what we have up. But the, the replacement... We have 120 towers on the right. public side. About, I think there's 37 additional towers we take care of that with the ARS, yeah. Ag Research yeah. Surface. So that's a lot of sensors to replace at one time. Yeah. So if, we, if we're always doing research, trying to find the newest, best yeah. technology, and then trying to come up with the funds to make a, a, a system-wide improvement to do that. So your text fairly – because I only can only imagine on some of this instrumentation – there's not a replace, it's a repair. Because you can't, not uh, like replace meaning not a new, but I just, I've got this and it broke, I can yep. just buy a new one. Have you ever seen I'm their assuming trucks, though? Huh? <laughs> Have you ever seen the, their trucks, the back end of their trucks? I mean, they when they go out and service a uh, yeah. site, they probably have. Yep. Our, our goal is to not replace broken yep. sensors. Yeah. We have everything on a rotational schedule. Okay. So, uh our goal is to get out and take those rain gauges before they yeah. wear out or before they quit, put a, mm-hmm. a new one on or a rebuilt one on, okay. take that one back into the lab and rebuild, rebuild them it. or reservice okay. them. Oh, That's one, cool. one thing that when I went to work for Mesonet six year, years ago, one of the biggest eye-openers I had was the quality control that they yeah. have mm-hmm. on their instruments. No matter what sensor it is, regardless of what it costs, they go to the laboratory when they're bought new for a two two or three week period of time to be calibrated to Mm -hmm. oklahoma's conditions if it's a rainfall gauge can it handle the the three days (laughs) 
rainfall yeah. events yeah. that only accumulate, you know, three hundredths mm-hmm. of an inch, yeah. or can it handle that uh, fourteen inches a day yeah. we might encounter? Right. So, you know, Man. you would think a a six eight hundred dollar rain gauge would be good enough to mm-hmm. go right out into yeah. the field and. We also have two of everything, yeah. so two rain gauges, two air temperatures. So if one of them does quit, active on the yes. The, oh yeah. Okay, I didn't yes. realize is everything was duplicated. We uh, rain gauges in the same location, yeah. uh, say air temperature yeah. at two different locations yeah. on the tower, okay. humidity two different locations. locations. So if one of them does go out, we're not totally in the dark until sense. we can get them uh, replaced. But but our goal is to re, uh, to go out in what we call service intervals mm-hmm. and, and change that equipment out before it starts giving us trouble and it doesn't say we you know we still get trouble tickets this yeah, is mm-hmm. out soil sensors happen to be more troublesome mm-hmm. than all the other sensors put together uh yeah. even well, even well, though we're not we have, being used we don't have any moisture well, in yeah. <laughs> even though we have uh lightning arresters lightning yeah. rods uh that becomes an issue our gopher uh population right. in oklahoma our clay soils the cracking swelling rattlesnakes and <laughs> even you know coyotes wildlife i was right. going to say you know yeah. we've had issues with wildlife uh even cattle maybe dragging those out of the ground yeah. um when they we have everything's fenced but if they get through the fencing mm-hmm. we've had issues with that you know when it was really dry uh some of the past droughts or two that may be the only mm-hmm. green grass in the pasture <laughs> and uh, it's only 10 meters square but uh cattle They'll find a way. Try to find a way to get in there. So so I actually want to reverse this to ask the doctors here. You guys rely on information from the Mesonet and some of the Mesonet sites across mm-hmm. the state. Kind of talk about what what that means, the, the information, the data that you get, say, at Perkins or Bixby or wherever, That how, how, how does that help you with, with what you're researching? Well, I mean, like... I could probably speak for Brian, at least for um, all of our students, at at very least, just the temperature, moisture, potential um, soil moisture, rainfall, mm-hmm. all that kind of just are standard that yeah, go yeah. into into in every student, any and every student, any presentation and all that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that's not even to say things like, you know, Dr. Auctioner's students that, that might rely very heavily on, on that grid across yeah, right. the state on, yeah. on you know, me and Brian might use two, uh, but you know, some some others use You don't work very hard. <laughs> that's that's all that I can harvest in a year. You know, I put out maybe sixteen, but only two of them survive. That's, that's fair but, enough. Yeah. Uh, but you know, some other, you know, in our department use 20, 30 yeah. In, yeah. In, in a student project, in every research project. So, uh, you know, coming from a state that didn't have it, and we had to put out our own weather stations if we were going to have any mm-hmm. hope to collect anything right. to something that you just now almost rely on to and don't even think about it and probably yep. don't take it into yep. account how valuable it is of just, oh, I'm just going to I'm gonna email Mesonet yeah. to get the the – the data, not only the data, but it's like, hey, I need the data for the last three yeah. years. Oh, yeah. And, and within 30 minutes, bam, yeah. there it is in your inbox. No, week, week one on new grad student initiation, yeah. it's the Mesonet day. We spend two hours like, this is what you have at your access. Now let's go into the data request. Here's how we do Mesonet. And, and Wes and I had this talk. And he already knew it, but it is a couple of years ago. I was like, you know, it'd be really great if some of your graphs could be in metric. So when we have to give presentations, oh, yeah. we don't recreate. So historically, we had to recreate all the graphs. We'd see it in the U.S. Yeah. Imperial units, and we'd have to recreate it for. Now you could just hit switch that up. And so all the grads, you go to ASA and OSU, there'll be almost every poster has data from Mesonet yeah. listed on it. Application, you know, we're based out of Stillwater, right? We have plots in Altus. We have plots in Panhandle. We have plots in Miami. We have plots everywhere. Deciding what day to go to go plant. Mm -hmm. And so looking at soil moisture, uh, luckily most of our sites have mesonet either on the research station or near farmer field. So it's what's the soil moisture? What's the wind speed? What's humidity? What's the soil temp? Can we plant? Can we plant in Blackwell or do we need to drop down to Kingfisher to plant? And so even just farmer type questions is heavily mesonet related one thing we do to keep track of uh, 
citations and dissertations, yeah. thesis uh, applications. I'm proud to report Oklahoma State is the largest user of our data. Wow. We have more citations, more uh, graduate students yeah. using our products every year than any place else, including OU. But. Wow. Well, and not even that. So that's that's the other thing, Brian. You, you do a good point is like in our extension documents, too. Oh. Because like in the <laughs> sorghum variety testing mm-hmm. program, I, I can go and put a – this is how much rain it got, yeah. and this is yep. the temperature and the average. But it's a lot more effective whenever I can put the heat map on yep. there. Oh, and yeah. it's it's not only that, it's it's a flip of a switch mm-hmm. and a press of a button to do, uh, you know, difference from 30-year average. Yep. And that's something that, you know, in another state I mean, or, I had or 30 years ago. the slides ago, that I gave you for the sorghum talk yesterday. There you go. 30 years ago, you would have had to spend a whole day doing it. <laughs> but. They, they fortunately have us for a push of a button, you know. and We are spoiled. Three well, hundredths of a second, it's there on your computer screen. And, and that has to help you with, with getting grants to help uh, some of the, the, the crops that you're looking at researching, some of the some of the other things that, that go into building a, a, a grant to help that. If you look at like the Climate Smart Grants we've been a right. part of, all the NIFA, AFRI, the big grants, part of all those big federal grants have infrastructure available. Right. And the Mesonet is listed as, you know, we have the infrastructure. We don't have to go buy, you know, 20 hobo stations to put out because we have the Mesonet. Right. I just dropped a comp, but it's, you know, We've got those, and yeah. so we can do it. So that that's really adds up. Well, that's great. Well, Wes, thank you so much for coming over and talking with us about the Oklahoma Mesonet. This is it. it I, I'm I'm I've always been a super fan of Oklahoma weather products, and this is this is one of the best in the country, and, and it's right here. And, and it's and it's I don't I don't want to say free to Oklahomans, but it's part of your tax dollars. Yeah. You might as well use it, and it's available you know to the public and and i would plug in uh, and it's not wes it's his counterparts but even if you're not in oklahoma follow the mesonet on social media because (laughs) it is probably one of the best feeds that you can get just for pure gary mcmanus is a genius (laughs) he's something and and, and yeah i'm I'm waiting i'm waiting for my brahms index for for monday and tuesday (laughs) so i i haven't i haven't seen the brahms index yet so so. Thanks, Wes. We appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. You've got as long a reputation with Mesonet as anybody, so we appreciate being part of, of your podcast. Thank you. Well, we're taking a quick break so we can switch out microphones for the guests. And while we do that, I want to remind you to hit the subscribe button where you get your podcasts. And if you want to learn more about what Wes and the doctors were talking about, jump over to reddirtagronomy.com for all of that information and a place to submit questions for the doctors. It's always fun to hear from you guys, and it was a lot of fun to meet up with those of you that came out and saw us in Enid. Now that everybody's back in place, let's dive back in. Now with Dr. Paul Weckler, and we learn about the new project that will help Oklahomans know exactly how much water and soil moisture is available to all industries. You are listening to the Red Dirt Agronomy Podcast. With us today, we have Dr. Paul Weckler. Paul is in the Biosystems Ag Engineer, uh, the BAE uh, program. Paul, I've been working with Paul now since I was a Almost an undergraduate, so oh, Paul wow. has a long history. I love bringing him into our classes, talking about the stuff he did pre-OSU. Uh, if you want to talk drones, Paul's been doing drones longer than drones. had a name of drones, basically. Uh, but we've got some new news, and he was sharing with us about what him and uh, Tyson Auctioner kind of have some money for. So kind of want to visit about this new hydronet, and I think I got the word right. So, Paul, thanks for coming on the podcast, and let Talk a little bit about what you and uh, Tyson have got going on. Well, a couple of years ago, we got a request from uh, OSU administration to think about um, potential ideas that could be uh, uh, given to our congressional delegation for projects that would benefit Oklahoma. And based on some of the work we had done in southwest Oklahoma with the Rural Renewal Initiative, uh, the the idea of... uh, 
better water monitoring capabilities. Oh, okay. Uh, because we were working with farmers that uh, pumping out of the Blaine Aquifer near Hollis that mm-hmm. would run out of groundwater before the uh, growing season was over because they had no real-time information on how much water was left in the water table. And so... And then think about the floods that we had in Stillwater in 2019. Uh, Sanger Road, Highway 51, underwater. uh, uh, City of Stillwater officials had no idea in real time how much water was coming out of Lake Carl Blackwell that was then flooding parts of Stillwater. So we proposed an idea um, that kind of went up through OSU and then up through our congressional delegation. And uh, to our surprise, it was selected and uh, put in the appropriations bill a little more than a year ago for $1.8 million to uh, expand water monitoring in the state of Oklahoma. And our long-term vision on it would be to uh, develop what we're calling the hydro net, which would be very similar to the Oklahoma mesonet for uh, weather monitoring. And so uh, one of the first things we're doing uh, with the 1.8 million in our phase one funding is we are uh, uh, upgrading all the soil moisture sensors on all 120 mesonet stations around the state. So they will have new uh, state-of-the-art, highly uh, accurate and repeatable uh, soil moisture sensors installed over the next year. We're working with Oklahoma Water Resources board to uh, expand, uh, greatly expand the number of groundwater monitoring, uh, water well monitoring locations, uh, and including real-time telemetry so we can get uh, groundwater levels in real time in many parts of the state. And uh, increasing the uh, the number in critical areas like the Ogallala Aquifer, mm-hmm. putting more down in the Blaine Aquifer area, and um, and then working with uh, USDA, NRCS, and ARS uh, on uh, and OWRB on more uh, surface water monitoring. If you think about Oklahoma, we have a lot of big lakes, yeah. and those are monitored uh, very well by the Army Corps of Engineers, mm-hmm. Lake Texoma, Caw Lake, Keystone. Um, and then the U.S. Geological Survey, USGS, has stream gauges on some of the big rivers. But you think about, like, the Cimarron River, um, there's only one or two stream gauges along the whole length of the Cimarron River, and there are lots of places that uh, that flood up and down the Cimarron River. Yeah. So, so we're working uh, on trying to uh, to put this all together and then integrate it with data processing, data sharing, data analytics, and then really to come up with some tools uh, like the ag tools that are available on the Mesonet. Other tools, yeah. Will will this be standalone from the Mesonet? Will, will, will this be a separate service from the Mesonet, or will this be integrated into it? Well, initially, it uh, will probably be a standalone uh, entity, but we've got, uh, as our partners, OU and mm-hmm. the Mesonet, we've got uh, USDA, we've got uh, OWRB. Um, again, um, this is just the initial, initial phase right. one that's... Uh, kind of getting the concept together. We have uh, put together a phase two request through OSU administration. Um, We'll see where that goes, but uh, there's uh, definitely a huge need for it. But to have a water monitoring uh, network like we have for weather would really put uh, Oklahoma at the center of the universe for research, for developing tools uh, and applications uh, that um, things we can't even think of right now uh, that uh, look at all the the tools that are available via the mesonet wow uh, and so that's our uh, uh, that's our, our vision for it uh, we presented uh, this at a couple of conferences in the fall including the governor's water conference this is not only surface water but also subsurface Surface water, subsurface soil moisture, as well as uh, aquifers and water tables. That's amazing. Golly. Back on the the mesonet upgrades, you're talking about, you know, a lot of those moisture sensors have been in the ground for a long time. And the the technology was maintained across most of them, so we had uniform technology, correct? Right. So what 
with the new sensors that you guys want to install across the entire wheel install, what's the differences? Or why why are they better, and what what are we getting out of them? Well, I don't think the final selection has been determined here over the last few months. They've been looking at different uh, uh, sensors, different technologies. As of, uh, you know, 1st of December, I think it was real close to making the decision, but uh, I've been out of town on vacation, and so I don't know if a final decision has been made. Uh, They will compare the old sensors to new sensors. Uh, You know, they don't want to just totally wipe out all the old data, starting with new uh, sensor systems. Wow. So the folks at the Mesonet are being very, very meticulous and and going through a lot of uh, uh, testing and research to make sure that, uh, that they do this right. Yeah. You know, uh, we're not going to get uh, money for a do-over <laughs> if we don't do it right. right. Well, and the the Mesonet, they're 30 years into this this uh, their 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 uh, program, and this is a great starting point, a, a great time mm-hmm. to you know build on on top of that. So, man, what look, whenever whenever you were trying to determine if there was a need for this who who did you bring into the conversation was it was it landowners was it producers uh government uh, officials all the above all of the above yeah and 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 working you know with um our rural renewal initiative we've had a couple of projects related to uh, drought mitigation right. some of the economic impacts uh, due to drought uh, pointed out some of the needs uh, um working uh, with um, some of the government agencies like NR- USDA, NRCS, oh, yeah. uh, and really it, it, it's it's something that there are bits and pieces of it already in place. The right. USGS has some monitoring. The Corps of Engineers has some monitoring, uh, OWRB, but it's not tied together real well. Would this mean that in the long run, because I go to the core of engineers lake levels all the time, whether it's for seeing what Lugard's at right, or whether it's for fishing, you know, one of the two, I mean, they're, they're for me, I, I like looking at those. So would this actually bring in the core data into a larger, where's that at? That was yesterday at Hugo. Hugo. Releasing water in Hugo. Wow. Lots of of water. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So So would would it potentially bring in that core? Because you don't have to recreate the core data. Right, right, exactly. We just, in fact, uh, we're trying to schedule a uh, kind of a a side meeting here uh, in the next few weeks with kind of the data processing people to look Mm -hmm. at how do we have uh, compatible data formats and be able to exchange data? Uh, We've got David Williams over uh, at the Corps of Engineers in Tulsa, who's head of uh, hydraulics and hydrology, Mm -hmm. all the core water stuff. Uh, He's involved with the project. And one of our former OSU students, a BAE graduate, uh, she's involved uh, in charge of uh, a lot of their big data and data analytics uh, efforts. Are all the groups playing well together right now? (laughs) So far, (laughs) and it really helps when you have uh, $1.8 million to kind of facilitate play. (laughs) Nice glue to hold everybody (laughs) together. (laughs) Sucking what money to do. It it is. But the amazing thing is that uh, uh, everybody kind of knows everybody in this area because working in the area of water resources in Oklahoma, you know, if you do that uh, very long, you get to to meet uh, a lot of these people. And and two... um, we have a lot of connections, OSU, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. around the state uh, with regard to water, water resources. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I think everybody really wants this to, to be successful mm-hmm. and is really uh, uh, being cooperative. One thing about the, the Oklahoma Mesonet, it, it kind of set the standard for other Mesonets across the state or across the country. Is there is there a... a uh, foot or, or, or an example for you to go off of, or or is this like much like the Mesonet setting the standard for others in, across the state? Yeah, we're using the Mesonet as as a as a you know perfect example. And yeah. f- in fact, uh, Chris Freibrick, yeah, the uh, executive director of Mesonets, on our leadership team. Oh, that's great. So yeah, um, 
very insightful guy and yeah. one of the one of the main cooperators yeah and so it was you know kind of kind of interesting at the very beginning when we had to send over a half million dollars of funding down to OU you know <laughs> <laughs> that's great but but so is is there another system like this hydronet across the country anywhere it, 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 integrating all the resources California has uh, has tried to integrate a lot of their water resource, but California is so huge. Oh, yeah. And they've got so many different uh, agencies and organizations involved with water. Right. Their, their water yeah, system is, is extremely complex. Right. And so uh, uh, we're not, not as big as California, uh, but we have... All the same uh, issues of uh, water quality, yeah. water availability, drought, flood. Um, That's great. So, wow. So you started off by giving an example of the Cimarron only has maybe one monitoring, you know, throughout the whole. The So so if you were to increase that in perfect world, what what's a successful number to do that? Or how many... How many stations or, or monitoring sites are you going to need to successfully say, at least in Oklahoma, we're we're getting a good handle of the Oglala Aquifer to, to know true million. levels? One <laughs> million. Yes. Well, that's a that's a great as every, many as you can. Every but what, ten what, feet across the state. What, what's a what's a flag that says we've at least made that first good success? Well, that's a that's a great question because the the spatial resolution. Is like with the Mesonet is 120 weather stations scattered across right. 77 counties. Is that enough? Is that too much? Um, I think Nextrad Doppler radar has really helped mm-hmm. with the rainfall, uh, mm-hmm. you know, interpolation between stations. Um, so it's a great question, and and because of that, Sherry Hunt with the USDA ARS and Stillwater mm-hmm. has a research project, and they've got two two watersheds that they're going to do very high spatial resolution monitoring. One is Sugar Creek watershed out in Caddo County, Mm -hmm. which was one of the very first uh, NRCS um, uh, small watershed dam projects going back into the 1950s. And so there are like 47 or so uh, uh, erosion control, water control structures in Sugar Creek watershed. The other one that's uh, going to be uh, set up as a research demonstration area is Stillwater Creek. Mm. Wow. So all the small lakes around Mm -hmm. Stillwater, McMurtry, Boomer, uh, Lake Carl Blackwell, uh, the creek will, uh, uh, Stillwater Creek will have uh, uh, a large number of water uh, uh, monitoring stations. Hmm. And and that's an ARS uh, funded as well as our HydroNet funded. Uh, So it's, it's taking ARS money. Uh, for research and taking some of our hydronet and putting those together. Random question, just because you brought it up, and I've, I've always. Where's the headwaters of Stillwater Creek? How far north does that go? Oh north wow! Northwest. Gee, I does it a, get up into Noble? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty that's sure because uh, 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 Lake McMurtry. Oh yeah. Well, and and I mean, you look at that Stillwater Creek by your old yeah. site there. Yeah. I mean, that goes yeah, well that goes far to the. To the so west. Can can you spend like a moment or two to talk about what it would mean if we could fully monitor the Cimarron? You know oh, what yeah. what what does that mean for anybody? Just for the regular person along that basin. Well, I think we could come up with uh, some better advanced uh, warning tools for flood. Um, really. Water quality is another right. issue, yeah. and and initially we're not focusing on water quality so mm-hmm. much. We're we're trying to measure amount mm-hmm. and how much we have in different locations. But eventually, water quality, quality will need in. to, you know, to make this a world class water monitoring network, we would have to eventually ha- uh, add water quality in in there. Now, Cimarron River is probably not uh, as um, uh, significant as other rivers where there's um, what we call uh, uh, conjunctive use mm-hmm. of water. Yeah. They're pumping groundwater near the river, yeah. and 
some studies are showing that that's reducing the flow in the rivers. Mm -hmm. And so by having good monitoring along the river, having good you monitoring, you can, you can see, okay. you know, uh, there are some parts of the state where they think some of the, the issues with regard uh, to um, decreased runoff mm -hmm. is due to more pumping. How, how well is the, uh, I just went blank on the river, but basically the port, everything there, Tulsa and South, how well is that? Arkansas, Vertigree. Arkansas River, Vertigree. Yep. How yeah, well the is Kerr that? McClellan water, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's very highly monitored okay. by uh, the Corps of Engineers because they've got to be able to, yeah. you know, manage barge traffic. Uh, uh, so that would down. that be kind of the the maybe the goal if we get all rivers as well monitored as that one, or even looking at monitoring that one better? Well, I think this is where uh, Dr. Ochsner oh, sure. and uh, really talking about overall water balance and mm -hmm. water budget when you include surface water, water in aquifers. And then soil moisture. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of water that is stored in soil moisture that we really, you know, mm -hmm. may not have a good, uh, good understanding how that fits into the whole ecosystem and the whole water, you know, balance of, uh, of a whole watershed. It, there, there, there has been a, a focus on irrigation efficiency, I, just from my casual observation, probably in the past, what, Five, 10 years or so people are really may, maybe a little longer but but they're really paying attention to the use of the aquifers mm -hmm. this is a great tool to help with that and and will it be um at current uh irrigation pivots or will it be away from those where they can actually uh you know see not not directly the water that's being drawn but the actual uh status of the well uh the spacing between groundwater monitoring wells is um, some places really large right. around mm -hmm. the state. Having closer spacing and monitoring will be uh, uh, more useful to growers, just like having a mesonet station within 10 miles is a lot better than having, you know, just the weather station at Will Rogers Airport. Right. Well, uh, I mean, your question is really good is that, you know, do we have enough mesonet stations? And it, the answer is how far am I away from a mesonet station if, if right. we have enough or not? Well, and I think the other the other thing that kind of come to my is, is what am I using it for? Yeah. Because I, I feel like some people don't use mesonet because the general public, I'm, because you get onto that site and there's... There's hours worth of data yeah. that you could you could potentially access, yeah. and and for us yeah. and and potentially growers, it's like no, we need more stations. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but you know, for general public, it's like no, there's there's maybe not not too many stations, but it's collecting too much information for me to get what I actually need. So that's a that End is a user. fine balance yeah. of you know seeing the trees through the forest or the forest through the trees kind of situation on on. But it it really is who's your end user? What yeah. what's your what's your goal there? So on on what Josh just was talking about, all that data, how exciting is this for the science community? I mean, oh, yeah, data analytics on all this would be it could make uh, Oklahoma, like I said, the center of the universe for research. Yeah. You know, big yeah. data, um, um, you know, data informatics. Uh, with I mean, regard from to geology water. to yeah. remote imagery, oh, you right. have every field would have interest in, in this data set. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there are huge questions like, okay, uh, look at the situation at Luger Altus. Yeah. And mm -hmm. how often they've delivered uh, uh, irrigation water to the irrigation district over yep. the last 10, 20 yep. years. And, and is some of it due to... Uh, Climate change is some mm -hmm. of it due to uh, uh, increased pumping upstream. Yeah. Um, you know, what are, you know, Altus Air Force Base is a huge economic engine to southwest Oklahoma. What is the, the water um, security situation mm -hmm. right. for all of southwest Oklahoma? Um, so southwest Oklahoma has its own unique issues. Southeast and, and Oklahoma. And we had Keith Felty on, yeah. and he'll be on a previous podcast. Yeah. So we did, they, we kind of talked a little bit about the uniqueness of that Luger district. Yeah. And then southeast. And south, like 
yesterday I was down in southeast Oklahoma, and down there a lot of times it's too much water. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were let at Hugo yesterday. They had the spillway gates open, letting out a lot of water. Which and the state of Texas is like, yes, thank you. Oh, wait, we need this I, in the I summer. I thought we were pumping <laughs> it all the way to the panhandle. I thought we were going from, is that what it is? from Broken Bow to the High Plains. Well, some folks have talked about that <laughs> yeah. over the years. So, uh, Just a couple pumping yeah. stations to move it up an elevation so. of 3,000 foot. <laughs> Give or take. So we've put together a phase two white paper. Uh, at OSU administration has it and uh, for a, a one5 $5 million follow-on phase two. Part of that includes more opportunities for student involvement, mm-hmm. undergraduate, graduate student research, uh, K-12 STEM activities yes. with regard to <laughs> with regard to yeah. water and earth science. Oh, man, that's um, great. Uh, special uh, programming for extension educators uh, with regard to, you know, just like what Wes Lane yeah. does mm-hmm. with the Mesonet. Mm-hmm. We envision a similar type system uh, if the hydronet yeah. does, you know, get get Very built cool. out and and all the pieces. Like I said, Corps of Engineers, Geological Survey. There are a lot of the pieces already in place. Mm-hmm. It's not like we are starting from scratch. No. Wow, that's cool. And we would love it to be a a joint cooperative effort, just like the Mesonet, OSU, OU, the two flagship universities you know partnering uh, uh, together on it and and I've worked with uh, several of the civil environmental engineering faculty at OU over the years we have a former OSU professor who's now uh, head of the Oklahoma water survey dr. Mm. Jason Vogel oh I didn't realize oh, Vogel okay. Was, okay and he is also a professor in civil yep. and environmental uh, engineering at OU that comes along with that and so um, so we uh, we've talked with him and we've talked with OU about further uh, expansion of their involvement. And so, again, this is for all of Oklahoma. Mm. Well, that is amazing and and, uh, and and very exciting for the state of Oklahoma. All aspects, not just agriculture, but uh, you know, mis- municipalities, just all all sides of it. Especially yeah. right now, they're in the process of updating the state water plan for the next twenty five yeah. years, and and. Um, you know, this would be a great um, addition to put in the state water plan, maybe. We've talked with Owen Mills about that. If the money's approved tomorrow, when will we get the app and be able to say, man, I can go look at the at the Kaimichi River and know exactly how much water's in there? Well, I can't predict that. Right. I would I would defer that uh, to, to Dr. Wagner, Dr. Ochsner. Mm, right. And, uh, He's not uh, admissible I, to say. I, I, want, I want to put it this way. He's probably going to be in Florida by the time that <laughs> Blink twice for two years. Blink three times for four years. Actually, I'll be working part-time on uh, this project. Uh, uh, awesome. Yeah, I was going to I, I kind of had a feeling. That's yeah. great. Well, so. thank you so much for going on with us and talking about this. This is big news for Oklahoma. It, it's a great, great opportunity for uh, the state of Oklahoma. And, and again, OSU is going to be right in the middle of it. And so, Thanks, Paul. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening in on this conversation of the Red Dirt Agronomy podcast. And if you'd like to join the next discussion, send us an email, podcast at reddirtagronomy.com, or send us a tweet. Our handle is Red Dirt Ag. We'd like to thank Wes Lee from the Oklahoma Mesonet, as well as Oklahoma State University's Dr. Paul Weckler, for joining us on this podcast as we recorded it from the Oklahoma Wheat Commission and Oklahoma Wheat Growers Association booth at the KNID AgriFest earlier this month. If you get a chance, head over to our website where you can find out more information about our guests along with any of the resources that they talked about today or on any previous podcast, visit reddirtagronomy.com. For Dr. Josh Lofton and Dr. Brian Arnell, I am Dave Deacon, and thank you for listening. The proceeding is a copyrighted recording of AgNow Media LLC 2024. And yes, all rights are reserved.